All right, you guys, this week we have some super exciting news. We are introducing the first Boldology Challenge. That's right, the first ever Boldology Challenge. This challenge is going to start right in time for all your New Year's resolutions, January 1st. Registration will open December 15th and will close December 31st. So you are going to want to get registered as soon as you can. For the Boldology Challenge, we are going to be having a six-week challenge where each week we focus in on a different one of our six core values here at The Bold Logic. We want to help you guys make a bold move this year. And if you don't know what your bold move is going to be, we want to help you figure that out. Now, we will focus in on how our six core values can help you develop your sense of self-worth and self-love so that you feel confident in making changes and accepting yourself for who you are and love yourself more. We really hope that you will join us on this adventure. This is an individual challenge, but we will be having weekly live check-ins with Matt and I and Steve. There will be a Facebook group that will offer support. We have a membership site that will guide you through each week's challenge and the value for that week. There will also be some opportunities to win some prizes and to have a lot of fun along the way. So we hope you will join us as we take this opportunity to be bold at the start of this new year. You can join us by clicking the link in our show notes or on Instagram, the link in our bio or on Facebook. We really hope that you guys will join us at the beginning of this year to make a bold move and to create some change in your lives. What's up, everybody? This is Matt here with the Husband in Law Podcast. This is where we share our stories of love, ex-love, marriage, ex-marriage, divorce, ex-divorce, and coming out of a closet that needed to be open, and so much more. This podcast is for those who are looking to up their relationship game by understanding first yourself, and then others, like your wife, your husband, and your wife's ex-husband, on a whole new level. Welcome to the Husband in Law Podcast. Let's get this party started. Well, Jessica went up to a uh, girls' weekend. Mm. What was it called? Project weekend. Project weekend. What so did what you do? Projects what projects? Did you work on? I worked on Christmas gifts for our children and for my nieces and nephews. And then I took like two years worth of mending that needed to be done. Oh, mending? I also made a Christmas tablecloth. Mending. What is mending? Like clothes that needed to be fixed, repaired, things that had like little Your holes clothes? in them. They were mostly mine because I tend to fix everybody else's clothes in the family, but not my own. Except yours. Don't you know what mending is? Apparently not. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard of mending relationships. It's the same idea. From our podcast? Oh, so we take them on trips and we fix them. For relationships? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's what you and I are doing for Christmas. Not like we're fixing our relationship, but we're taking time for our relationship. We just booked an Airbnb in McCall. I'm really excited. Yeah, for Christmas. We the options the were time. Mexico, Palm Springs, or McCall. We, we opted for McCall because <laughs> it's cheapest and the easiest. And easiest. Nice. The last time I was in McCall for Christmas, I was 12 years old. It's a long time ago. Were you going to tell us the story about it? And it was awesome. Was it? Yeah, it was awesome. I remember my dad, my brother, and I went up a day early to go up to Brundage. Mm. Which is a ski resort, people. Matt and I might go to Brundage while we're there. And yeah. Matt will ski with me for the first time uh, ever. I am trying to remember the last time I skied with you. You and I went like twice when we were married. Yeah, and then you refused to go ever again. Really? Why? Yeah, she doesn't like it. 
Really? You don't like it? Matt and Steve both just picked up their drinks at the same time and held them the same way until they were done talking. But one of them has tea and one of them has Dr. Pepper. Which one has the tea? Which one has the Dr. Pepper? (laughs) Listeners, you vote. (laughs) (laughs) See if you can get it right. Yeah, I I haven't skied much in the last uh, 16 years. I had the tea. (laughs) (laughs) you gave it away (laughs) okay um so back to the question yeah why don't you why haven't you skied in 16 i don't like being cold i don't either neither do i but i bundle up i don't like it that much i don't either (laughs) and the only reason i actually bought skis is because matt was like i asked him i sent him a message i said hey should i go buy skis at the ski swap and he said something to the effect of, that's up to you. I don't really care. But it would be really fun to go skiing and do that with you. So then I was like, well, crap, I got to buy skis now. So I'm going to go skiing with my husband. Penny's trying to convince me I bought them so I could ski with her. But Do it. Ski with her. I'm, going, so to, to I'm with. going to ski with her too. But the real reason I bought them was basically to go ski with Matt. And All my right. dad thinks we're going to go like every day. Family yeah. ski trip coming up. Yep. A whole lot of us. So usually what we do, so Matt and his kids snowboard and Penny and Steve ski and my dad skis. And my dad does ski patrol up at the hill by Espogas Basin. And so what usually happens is I send Matt and Steve and sometimes my dad with the three kids to go skiing. And I make them all dinner and send them with snacks and shoo them out of the house and then enjoy the night by myself. Do you remember what happened last time oh, we yeah. all went skiing now? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was fun. There's now a special place on Bogus Basin called Sarah's Corner. Sarah's <laughs> Corner. Yes. We all, the bunch of us, there were a lot of us that day. Like there 10 were, because Jessica and cousins that, were there. That run, we yeah. had like 10, yeah, 10 of we us. We get a part way down and we're all like, where is Sarah? And we're like, she was right behind us. She's nowhere to be found. So... One of us, I guess it was you, trekked back up yep. and found her laying in a in a pile of snow and a pile of tears yes. with, a, with a busted arm. On a cat track. Yes. Not moving because her arm hurt too much. Actually, I don't think it was you. It was me. I think I was you on went skis. up, Yeah, Steve. I went up because I was on skis. You went up first because a lady came down and was like, hey, oh. is Sarah's dad here? And I was like, uh, that's me. What's going on? And so right then you just took off. Hmm. <laughs> and I took my snowboard off. And I was going to say, because Steve, it was easier to get back up because of the skis. Yeah. So then you were going to, you started walking down with her. I was going to ski down and get the car and drive back up because coincidentally there was a road that was really close to that spot. Yeah. It was like the perfect spot to fall and break your wrist. We if you're going walking, to fall and break your wrist yeah. on a mountain. We didn't start walking down until Ski Patrol mobilized her. Oh, yeah, you're right. But. I took her snowboard and started going back to, I was going to take it down and get the car. Well, at some point, so I'm carrying her snowboard, walking <laughs> down a mountain in my, and down a cat track. It's a, like not a steep spot in my snow boots, my ski boots. And at some point the board like slips out of my hands <laughs> and starts to Head slide down. down the cat track. And at the end of this cat track, it takes a left and goes down the mountain, down Silver Queen. 
And so I like start hustling to catch up to the board, and it's gaining speed. So I have to lunge <laughs> and land on Sarah's snowboard on my stomach to stop it. So I'm like, and at that point, it's already started around the corner. So I'm like sliding down Silver Queen on my stomach on Sarah's snowboard. I have never heard this part of the story before. <laughs> it's too bad you didn't get to see that part of the story. I no. wish I had. Had you come skiing. <laughs> I still probably wouldn't have seen this part of it. Next year. I probably would have been with Matt and Sarah. This, this year we'll recreate that, except oh, no broken not. arm. Sarah had a rough few weeks there. She had like, or like a month or so, yeah. she got her braces on, which she realized hurts. Yeah. And then she had her appendix rupture. Yeah. And then she busted her wrist snowboarding. Yeah. And now she has a broken finger. And now <laughs> she has a broken pinky. Which we just went to the doctor today for it. And... Poor Sarah. Yeah. But that will forever be Sarah's quarter. And then last week she just told me she wants to play rugby. Right. I'm like. <laughs> She's been saying that for a couple years. Yeah. But she then she was like, last week it was like, all right, dad, can I play rugby? There is a girls rugby team here. I know. Somebody was have, telling me about it. I can I see her doing that. I have a team member who plays rugby in high school. So She would kill it. She's awesome. I, I would love it if she played rugby or if she went back to lacrosse because watching lacrosse games is so fun. Yeah. And she was good. She's athletic. She is athletic. <laughs> All right. Have you so, noticed sometimes when I talk about your kids now, Matt, I find myself using calling them Sarah and Hank instead of their real names. <laughs> I've noticed that a couple of times. I've talked to somebody, my friend yesterday, and we were at lunch together, and she's like, how's so-and-so? And I was like, oh, Hank's great. No, 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 this is what he's doing. <laughs> I just started laughing. Well, a lot of times it's because people bring their names up like that to us. Yeah, yeah. the reason the yeah. reason they know about yeah. them Hank and Sarah. is, yeah, or like, yeah. It's super funny. Anyways. Anything else before we get into it? Oh, yeah. No. I was thinking about this where we left off because we are going back into mine and Steve's story today. And I was thinking that story you shared about Thanksgiving. So this actually will be two episodes ago that we shared our Thanksgiving episode mm. that you talked about somebody oh. inviting you over. That's actually right where we're at in the timeline. Perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. Because we had just, it was like beginning of mid-November when you and I went to D.C. and spent that week with my family. That sounded weekend. like a fun week. <laughs> and? It was emotional. And it was interesting. My sister-in-law emailed me after that, and we went back and forth talking what about that weekend. What did your sister-in-law say? It's funny because we remember such different things. And yeah. like she doesn't remember us talking about things with, with my brother, but she does remember that I left, and she couldn't remember why. Hmm. And she was worried so, she was like, I couldn't remember if I was a jerk to him. So when it, we started like a like, jerk no, to Steve. Your husband was a jerk to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't. He was just working through things and processing. You weren't, a, you weren't a jerk, Zach. It's okay. <laughs> it's his name. It's Doesn't fine. I've asked them. They, they're good with All it. Right. Anyways, and then we, I mean, next up was like Thanksgiving. And I honestly don't remember... Oh, yeah, I do. I do remember that Thanksgiving. I made, as a present to my mom that year, because I didn't have a lot of money, I made the whole Thanksgiving dinner, and she paid for it. <laughs> so that was her Christmas present. That was her birthday present. Her oh. birthday was on Thanksgiving that year. Oh, yeah, sometimes it does. Yeah. So I wouldn't have remembered that until you said that, that you went with friends. And so what did you make for Thanksgiving dinner? You. Just the usual, you know. 
Hot dogs. Hot dogs. <laughs> with with crispy fries. We just ate dinner together, the three of us, and I made hot dogs because I love hot dogs. And I put crispy fry things and on Steve, them. Steve, how was it? That's a little hot dog trick that we picked up in Bolivia. Bolivia, yep. And corn. I should have corn, had corn on corn it too. Corn and little crispy fries. On and it. a yep. ton of mayo. That's what <laughs> they do. It. And you dip your fries in mayo. Yeah. I still do that, yeah. Yeah. So that's why they're saying I make hot dogs for Thanksgiving dinner. Guess what I made for Thanksgiving dinner today. Today? At work. We had our Thanksgiving feast. And I made, I'm going to call it cooked. I cooked stuffing. Add water, put it in the microwave. That's cooking for me. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. You everyone, used your microwave. Everyone at work was very impressed. <laughs> yeah. We, we Stovetop our... in the microwave. Yes. No stovetop. <laughs> That's why they call me stove. So Steve once had a boyfriend that told him he couldn't cook or was teasing him because he couldn't cook. And Penny came to his defense and was saying, yes, he can. He can cook hot cheese, hot dogs with cheese. What was it? It was mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. (laughs) Chili and cheese. Hot dogs with cheese. (laughs) Chili and cheese. (laughs) String cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty cute. It was very cute. Okay, so back to Thanksgiving. that was my Thanksgiving that year, and that's the only thing I remember about Thanksgiving that year. And quite frankly, that's all I can think of between- So you were here in Boise? I was in Boise. Steve was in Oklahoma. And that's all I can really remember between the trip to D.C. and then Christmas. I know, like, I remember sitting down with the attorney during that time and having papers written up, and I remember having those conversations with you. So the paperwork was- was being done here in Boise. Yes, I was having the paperwork done. And you were having the paperwork done, and Steve, you were still in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. So during that time, too, Steve would come stay. Well, I moved back into our old house that Steve and I owned. And then Steve would come up and see Penny. I think you only came up once in between Thanksgiving or between the trip to D.C. and Christmas. Probably. And he... It was like every third weekend, give or take, is what I was... He would try and come up. And you (laughs) would sleep on... An air mattress and in my room. living room, so he would still stay at my house. But how was that? It was nice, like having somebody in the house to talk to. I mean, it was definitely emotionally hard, but it was. You guys never cuddled. No, well, no, I don't think so. No, I, no, because he had a boyfriend. Not until we later down the road. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica's face. Don't bring that up yet. <laughs> I mean, he was. In the relationship, living with a guy at this point. And so, no, we didn't. I mean, we would give hugs, you know, like, hey, how are you doing? See you later type thing. But What were those conversations like? Just. I remember a lot of the conversations. Well, you told me later. Post moving back. When you moved back to Boise. I don't remember a ton of the specifics from that time frame. What I remember from those trips is just immense quality time with Penny. Yeah. Awesome. Quality time with Penny. What would you like, do with Penny? Play hide and seek. Yeah? <laughs> yes. I have this vivid memory, and I think I even have a video of it, of her running in her diaper. She's what, a year old? A year, year and, and something? A half. She's two years old at this point. Is she? Okay. Yep, because it's in November, yeah. So running and hiding somewhere in the house, and I'm like walking, you know, playing, finding her. And as soon as I find her, she would run back and jump on the air mattress in the <laughs> living room. 
And then I would run out and jump on the air mattress and she'd like bounce back up, you know, the way it does when you jump on an air mattress with a kid on it. Yeah. It would like launch her back up and she would go run and hide again. <laughs> and just laughing her head off and giggling. And and honestly, I think I probably took most of that time to check out. Yeah. I mean, we did it see each was. other, but I think I basically let it be as you guys are staying at my house. I'm going to go take time for myself. So what would you do? What is checking out for you? I'm sure I went and worked hung out, out with friends, probably, worked and... out. I probably went on some long runs, got stuff done that I needed to get done. So what friends would you go and hang out with? I hung out with a lot of my just girlfriends that I, I'd you had when nice... Steve and I were married that I came back and I had a group of girls that... You did have a nice little group of girls. That just send out a of... text, hey, I'm free tonight. Who can ditch their kids and husband and come play? And they would. And I remember having lots of women come over to my house like on evenings. I would do the same thing. Just send out a group text. Hey, I'm home. Anybody want to come hang out, watch a movie, do this? And there were... Oh, that makes sense. That's why everybody comes over to our house still. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> there was always like a group of women that would show up. And I loved those times and really probably needed it to have that support and probably kept me from going crazy. I remember Steve got me Netflix for Christmas that year because I had been watching... I had two DVDs and I had just been watching them over and over at night to like have they? some background noise. I know one of them was Breakfast at Tiffany's, and I don't remember what – there was one other one. Elf? It might have been Elf or something like that. Alice and Gromit? Yeah. Some, I mean, I had kids' movies. I shouldn't say I only had two. I had two, like, adult movies, like grown-up, <laughs> like not adult. Elf. Adult movies? Oh. <laughs> I mean. Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> wow. Um, and I know I got offered a job during that time. In fact, I got offered several jobs. The bridal place, right? No, that was oh, later. That was, that was later. after Matt and I were married. It was? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Matt almost sprayed his pop. <laughs> pop. <laughs> Haven't heard that in a while. His soda. But yeah, so I got offered a couple jobs during that time. <laughs> Not funny, Matt. <laughs> Are you making fun of him because he doesn't know the timeline? <laughs> yeah. At a bridal shop, I was like, wait a second. That was after we moved into our second house. Yeah. All no, right. at this time, I was purely so that like, was like eight years later. Way to, way to speed <laughs> up the timeline there, Steve. <laughs> I was surviving. Uh, Steve was still supporting me. And that was one of the things that I really appreciated. Wait, did you say what jobs you had? No, I was offered a couple jobs. Yeah, but what like, were Like good they? jobs. I don't even remember. Steve, I remember they were that good. Steve, do you remember? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I remember. Aren't you funny. <laughs> Steve is going to have a complex. <laughs> if, if I can't remember, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> it's true. All right. So I remember when I got offered those jobs, just being like, I am not emotionally okay right now to step out and do this. And as long as I don't need to work right now, I'm not going to. And so we got by on very little. Well, we talked and about- And Steve supported me a lot because you said to me- Well. I mean, we looked into you taking some of those jobs and yeah. going back to work or school or whatever. And I guess work, I don't think school was on no, the table. No, I wasn't going to school. I already graduated. But it would mean you putting Penny in daycare and paying a fortune for daycare. Well, and my parents would have taken her. Okay. But the main thing was I felt like emotionally I was going to pay attention to where I was. And I knew if there was any way I could stay home and be with Penny and continue that for the time being – then that was the best for me personally. And that meant I cut back on a lot of things 
Steve supported me and we just made it work. What was the biggest thing in your mind that you felt like you had to cut back on? I didn't spend money on like going out. Like I remember Steve and I both basically bought new wardrobes after we got divorced. (laughs) We spent some money on that. Yeah. Just because I think there needed to be like a change, kind of like flushing things out. And we both had lost a lot of weight. So you got rid of your cool leather jacket. And I could finally start (laughs) dressing in a way that didn't have. Did he wasn't? I could finally start dressing like a gay man. (laughs) Steve was so worried about that when we were married. And I remember telling you. I was mortified about it. You can dress how you want to dress and you just being like, no To me, like being stylish was associated with being gay. The gay side of myself that I, yeah. So I just, anything that could potentially lead any, give anyone any reason to think, oh, Steve might be gay because he's dressing dresses. dressing that or doing that or interested well, in this or said this or whatever. I just what was the style that you were trying to avoid? White V-neck tees. <laughs> White v I know. I thought V-neck tees were gay. I don't know why. Really? But that's I never owned a V-neck tee until then. And fitted jeans, fitted dress pants for work, fitted shirts from Express that I wear now. Like you started getting into a little bit of it towards the end of our marriage, but not much. But then you started, yeah. I just remember at one point on one of these weekend visits back to Boise, I think your words were, damn, why didn't you dress like this when we were married? (laughs) (laughs) Probably. What did you dress like before that? Like just boot cut jeans and baggy t-shirts and tennis shoes, tennis shoes. And yeah, I don't know. It wasn't. That dress. Sure, it looked fine. I just so Jessica. I remember the other night we went out to dinner and a guy walked by. (laughs) Yeah, your leather coat. (laughs) That's what Matt was referring to a second ago. I got that. It was totally like the the one with the stripes. And my dad was like, "Oh my gosh, I remember that coat." I had that coat until very recently. (laughs) I never wore it, but I, I finally donated it. That's so funny. Okay. It was like two sizes too big. Probably. You oh, everything I owned was two sizes too big. Yeah, nothing was fitted at all, like not even close. I still have a few articles of clothing that I owned back then. Which this is interesting because like my wardrobe, well, in, in college, <laughs> like I wore fitted shirts, fitted, like it was all fitted. But anyways. Yeah. I know. I had some weird, some weird stuff going on up here. Well, obviously, and, and that's what I'm trying to get at is, is that I think that that straight men can wear fitted pants. <laughs> no, no, it, we're dealing with the messages that we're sending ourselves in our own heads. Yes, it was your of, internal belief. Yes, of, yeah. If I do it this, was, people are going to think. Well, and like going through those workbooks that I went through, and with that same gender attraction group in Colorado Springs, one of the things was about identifying false perceptions of masculinity. Yeah. And like that was one of them on there that I, I guess not masculinity, but associating things that I associated with the gay side of myself, style, um, uh, dance. Uh, remember I couldn't dance. I could yeah. not for the life of me. Like he would not dance. Like let loose on a dance floor. Oh, have you seen me dance? I let loose. <laughs> <laughs> but it was because you were so paranoid about what people would think. Right. That I would move the wrong way or look feminine or look gay or something. Yeah. Okay. So during this time, he was letting all of that go. Yeah. And so, the, and I was, you know, getting ready to date again and to be single and just kind of 
rediscovering myself as well, too. I think there was a lot of that for both of us during that time, especially between when I left and when we actually were officially divorced. I feel like there was a lot of change that kind of happened during that time. What, do you have any memories in Oklahoma from during that time frame before we get to Christmas? Yeah. I guess I don't know specifically when they were, but... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why did you look at me and laugh? I'm like, <laughs> and then I caught on. I, got <laughs> I don't know if any of our, like, anything you want to share? Like, yeah, anything noteworthy. Okay. I, was I, I, remember, I remember our phone conversations yeah. at night, like every night. It was just like a nightly check in. I was very concerned about Steve during this time because this was really when you were a mess, yeah. like trying to figure all this out, and you were. You had expressed to me that you were suicidal at this time. Mm-hmm. And I told you, like, I my phone is on at what all point, the time. At what point did Steve express to you that he was suicidal? Mm, like, I don't think I don't, think I don't know that, that I even, like, flat out admitted it. I think you just... You did. Did I? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure you had to draw it out of me. Yeah. But at some point you told me that. And I remember getting calls from you a couple of times at, like, 2 a.m. Yeah. Hey, I'm in my car. I'm not okay. And just, like, crying and... I just want to be done. I don't want to live anymore. And like having to talk you down and just be like, Steve, please go home. Please. And Sebastian's home. I was like, go home to Sebastian. Work things out. Whether it's tonight or not, I don't care. But just please go home to him and take care of things. Like go home and be safe and call me in the morning, please. Or text me or something. Because I was so worried that something would happen to you or that you would do something. and I don't remember those phone calls specifically, but the ones I remember were just... Was was he inebriated? Probably. I don't know. I know at least for a couple of them I was. Well, yeah. But I don't know if these phone calls were. And I, I think I probably always asked you that too because <laughs> I was very concerned about that too because you were new to drinking and I just wanted to make sure you were okay in that. I didn't want you to like get in a car wreck or something. Because it's all new and exciting, but a lot to take in. Yeah. What phone calls do you remember? Just like regular phone calls, just checking yeah. in. How's your day? How's Penny? And I don't know. It was still something that I like. Yeah. It's still very comforting to talk to you and like <clears throat> not it, it, to not just have things be completely cut off. Yeah. To not just lose you 100%. I also remember, I don't know why I thought of this all of a sudden, but something that was very comforting for me during that time was going in and making this little house that Penny and I were living in, which was mine and Steve's old house, very much my own. And you did. And I loved it. Like I, I was just thinking I had this big mirror on one of the walls of my bedroom. And then I had, it's actually the one of the bookshelf or not bookshelf things, but the little shelf things, bench things that's in our closet now, Matt. Hmm. I had that set up and all of my high heels displayed in there and stuff. And I just loved it. Like it was super girly. It was. And it was anything I wanted to do when. And I. Super, super cute though. It was very much like a healing thing for me to be able to nest and to feel like I had this space that was my own. I knew it was temporary because our house was, we weren't making the house payments. Yeah, we were. We were going to short sell it. Short sell. So I knew it was temporary, but at the same time, knowing that at least for this time, I had this place that was mine and I could do what I wanted with it and enjoy it. That was really important to me. I remember one of my aunts took me out during that time. We went to lunch and 
after lunch, she's like, I need, um, here's $400. <laughs> and she gave me $400 cash. And she's like, please go buy yourself something. Like, go have fun. Buy stuff for your house. Go do whatever. And it was, like, so nice to just be able to go and do that. And I really hope to be able to do stuff like that for people someday. I loved that it was not necessarily that I needed it, but this totally frivolous... Permission to go yeah. blow money on, on something that was not a necessity. Yes. In a time frame when you were cutting back. Yeah. And how cool of her to recognize when, yeah. that that would be something that would be helpful. It was so sweet. Um, and, yeah, there were lots of people who reached out and helped me and stuff during that time, but... I don't know. So I had a thought back to jumping back a little bit when you talked about your support group of these women that were your friends. and Yeah. I remember at one point I was going to Camel's Back Park mm -hmm. to pick up Penny from you. I think, I don't know if I had just flown into town or something. I don't know, but or dropping her off to you or I don't know. But at some point I was coming to meet you at Camel's Back Park because you ladies were there with your kids and they were playing on the swings and whatever. And I remember being a little bit intimidated at, oh, I'm just going to go, like, they're out on their little girls' girls' day out at the park with the kids, and I'm going to go, like, meet her whole posse, you know, me, the bad guy. I, I was a yeah. little bit worried they were going to, like, come at me with pitchforks and clubs, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Nikki mm -hmm. was so excited to meet me and so Oh, I didn't know. This was the first time I was meeting her. That's funny. Made such an effort to come over and introduce herself and say, hello, I've heard so much about you. I, I adore your daughter. I've loved hanging out with Penny and Jessica. And and uh, I'm so glad you get to come spend time with Penny or whatever. Just something that was totally positive, totally friendly, totally an effort that was not necessary for her to make. That just was such a big thing for me, such a relief and such a reinforcing thing where I'm in a state where I very much thought that these people are going to see me as this awful person and as the enemy and as the guy who broke Jessica's heart and could never possibly see any good in me. Yeah. And for her to see that and like make a very big effort to befriend me, that was huge to me. And I think it's interesting because I feel like all of these things that were relatively small interactions probably helped reinforce and change the direction of our divorce and how things looked. Well, one thing that I'm thinking about right now is the fact that <clears throat> the reason why this could have been a positive interaction with Nikki, it probably reinforced to Steve a little bit more trust also in you. Yeah. The only thing she knew about me was what she had learned from Jessica. Exactly. And that's what I was getting at is that Jessica was probably portraying or painting this picture of who you were to these this group of women of, look, this is a man who is struggling. This is a man who's a really good guy. This is a man that, you know, is, yeah. just needs loved. So, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to get at is kudos to Jessica for portraying that and painting that picture of you, Steve, to friends. Because I know a lot of times, even with some of the coworkers at my office, it's like, uh, I'm going out with the girls tonight and it could just evolve into, I'm going to bash my, my husband, my husband, let alone your ex-husband. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, 
It's interesting. I was talking to somebody lately. Who was it? It was a therapist of some sort or but one of my friends. And she was saying, I just will not associate with women who bash their husbands. And I thought that is so true. And there's one thing to like air grievances or to have a discussion about things that are hard and you're going through, but it's another thing to bash somebody. And I think there's a balance there of this is hard, we're struggling, but then also and, acknowledging and the good. mutual support. Yes. And, yeah, yes. That's, that's and then one thing. husband bashing. But I've been in several situations where people have started bashing husbands and I'm just like, oh, this is so painful. And I try and turn that and try to like make that, okay, how can you see this positively? Or let's just get off the subject because I don't engage in that well. And obviously I continued that. <laughs> into our divorce. And I knew you did as well. And there was that mutual respect and understanding that and that wasn't something we were going to do. It's interesting to me looking back that I don't know if I gave Sebastian enough credit back then for how oh my gosh, that understanding man. and patient he was with, like I said, I had a nightly phone call with my ex-wife <laughs> while I'm dating him and living with him. And he was fine with that. He's like, take your time, do what you need to do, you know, talk to her, whatever. Like he was totally okay with that. I've always been so grateful for him. And he's beat himself up several times to me about everything that happened, you know? And I just really have appreciated that he was so open-minded about all of this and what you needed at that time. Somebody that could be understanding to that situation. And it's kind of crazy to me that <laughs> you ended up with somebody right off the bat who could help you through all this. Yeah. So, yeah, we were pretty lucky that way. And I'm wondering, the next big thing is Christmas, and I'm wondering if we have enough time to get into that or if we should just lead into that and then finish up the conversation next week. I don't know if there's a ton to say about it, is there? Christmas? Oh, Steve. Steve. <laughs> Steve. You don't remember? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there isn't. We can start into it and see. So Christmas. Actually, yeah. I had one question before we move on. Okay. Steve, when did you start like drinking alcohol? Like at what point, when was your first drink of alcohol? If you're okay sharing. Yeah. yeah. It was a cucumber martini. <laughs> Muddled cucumber. He remembers this. It was a fancy drink for a fancy man. <laughs> <laughs> Sebastian made it for me. It was at a... Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was Jaeger. <laughs> <laughs> Those are two very different drinks. I know, drinks. and I suddenly can't remember which one was the first. <laughs> okay, well, those were my first two drinks. I can't remember which one was first. <laughs> Shot of Jaeger. Shot of Jaeger. I think it was a cucumber martini at Sebastian's apartment after Jessica and I had split and I was starting to date Sebastian. Yeah. I thought it was no, the I weekend didn't. you had the affair. No, I didn't drink then. For some reason, I think you did, which He's, doesn't matter either way. But He stayed true to that. <laughs> We're Bumps. teasing you, no. Steve. <laughs> so it was later on. It was later on. That's, that's how I remember it. Unless I'm wrong, but I remember it having been after. I would trust you more on that memory. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And what was your first thoughts and like, what was your first experience like? Jaeger was gross. <laughs> Tastes like black licorice. Oh, so you've had Jaeger. What? I smelt it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay.
okay, Matt. What? Whatever. <laughs> when was your first drink, Matt? I don't remember. <laughs> oh, funny. You don't have as clear of memory as of your first drink as Matt, Steve's. Matt doesn't drink now. No, he doesn't. To my knowledge. No, <laughs> no I think he's only drank a handful of times. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I do drink now. Yes. But uh, I remember the first time I got drunk. When mm. was that? This was a bad deal. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was Sebastian had a big party. And I don't remember what the occasion was. Mm. A birthday or something. I don't know. But well, he you had... were drunk. <laughs> and that's when I had the Jaeger. So no. So that does settle it. The cucumber martini was my first drink. And then shortly after that, I guess that was my first Jaeger shot. I don't know what that what I thought it was the first. But anyway, at this party, that's how it started was Jaeger shots. Mm-hmm. And they hit me real hard, real quick. And I was puking in the bathroom before most of the guests got there. Oh. <laughs> but I worked through it. <laughs> and we ended up going out. And this was also my first time to a club. Oh, my gosh. First time downtown. First time meeting kind of Sebastian's friends, a gay dance club. Okay. First time meeting Sebastian's friend group. So many firsts. That is a lot in one night. Whoa. First time I told him I loved him. <laughs> Probably one in the morning. But yeah, it was a lot in one night. And I made a total fool of myself in like meeting all of his people for the first time and totally embarrassed him. And I just look back and I'm like, well, why did you think that was a good idea? To, yeah, really? To get, like, uh, oh. yeah. For either of you. <laughs> yeah. It ended up being fine. It was just embarrassment and puking and mostly just me not knowing how to handle my alcohol since it was the first time I was doing it. Right. So Penny had a lesson, it's been a few months ago, about the word of wisdom, which in the Mormon church or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is like a health standards, basically. Don't drink alcohol. Don't drink tea. Don't drink coffee. Yeah. You eat things in moderation. No, no, don't smoke. Don't, don't smoke. Do drugs. Yeah, don't do drugs. So it's it, it's about yeah. taking care of your body and what we believe in how you take care of your body. So she's having this lesson in church and she came home. It was like later that day and she was upset. And so we started talking about it and she's like, well, mommy, my teacher was saying that if you drink, you're bad. And I was like, okay, Penny. First of all, I highly doubt your teacher said that. Like, I don't, I think that's what you heard, but I don't think that's really what she said. And I said, Penny, are you concerned because you feel like your teacher's saying that because your dad drinks, he's a bad person? And she just like broke down. It was like, yes. And then, and then, and I said, oh, Penny. I don't know this. Yeah, I said, Penny, is your dad a bad person? And she's like, no. And I said, that is right. And I said, that is all that matters. I said, if every person that drank was a bad person, this world would be a mess. <laughs> like, yeah. There's more people that drink than don't. And I said, honey, that is not what your teacher meant. And I said, guaranteed your teacher has people in her family that she loves and cares about that drink. And that doesn't mean they're good or bad. That's just a choice they make. And it doesn't matter. But it was just interesting to me to have that talk with her of helping her see that 
first of all, people say things that you have to really think about how they actually said it and what they really meant by it. (laughs) And then also, I know things are going to come up in church that she's going to hear and people are going to say in a very stupid way that we then have to go in and talk about as like, let's think about this and what we're really taught and what we really believe. How long ago was this? Mm, It was about a year and a half ago, two years. Oh, I always don't think it was that long ago. Oh, it wasn't. <laughs> okay. Anyways, why? The looks you two are giving each other. Because she asked me probably a month ago. I don't know how it came up, but she said, but you don't get drunk, right? It came up the fact that I drink. Yeah, but you don't get drunk like them, right? That's funny. And I was like, oh, I get drunk sometimes. Like, you know, on, yeah. on the right occasion, I enjoy getting drunk. And she was like, you do? <laughs> She's like, I know you drank, but I didn't know you got drunk. <laughs> And I was thinking back to like what she knows about being drunk is probably drunk drivers or someone Mm -hmm. doing something incredibly stupid when they're drunk. So that led to a discussion about Penny, there's a responsible way and a very irresponsible way to use alcohol. And a lot of people don't know their limits. They don't know when to stop drinking and they get drunk and they do things they regret or things that are hurtful or things that, you know, they get in their car and drive and that is absolutely not okay to do. And you know, just, I don't know, but it led to an interesting conversation where she was, but it started with her being shocked at the fact that, that, that you get I drunk. had been drunk. <laughs> and that's the thing is, I don't think there's any harm in her knowing those things. Like, no, I and feel I like, don't either. I, obviously. But I just feel like there's a way of approaching them and having a conversation <laughs> and teaching respectfully, you know, these are what people's decisions are. And just because somebody makes different decisions than us does not mean they are bad people. Yeah. And that's just a fact of life, no matter what your beliefs are, what your situation is. Yeah. Let me just say my stance on this is like anything, someone needs to know if this is something that is good for them or not. Like you need to know what serves you, what does not. There are lots of people in the world that should not drink alcohol. Yeah. Like if when you drink alcohol, you beat your wife, you probably shouldn't drink alcohol. Yeah. Depends on you should probably also get some therapy and figure out why in the world when yeah. you're drunk you feel this need to abuse someone. But my point is for like for other people, when they have a drink, it allows them it allows them to lower their inhibitions enough to connect with someone. It allows them to lower those barriers that prevent them from connecting with someone. Yeah. That to me is the biggest benefit that I see from alcohol in myself or in other people. And that can be a healthy thing if taken too far, just like anything else in life it can very quickly turn into a negative thing. Yeah. And you've got to learn, you know, I know where my limits are. And yes, I've crossed that line and had some regrets on that a time or two. Yeah. And now I know. Now I know like where, I know how alcohol affects me and in what circumstances it's positive thing for me and in what circumstances it's not. And, you know, I just think someone needs to know. Be self-aware. Yeah. And that was one of my problems with say the word of wisdom in the Mormon church is it flat out says, do not drink alcohol. No one should drink alcohol. And I think, I don't think that there's just a flat set of rules for everyone. I think you need to find out for yourself what things are good for you, what things are not good for you. And you should decide for yourself, is this something that should be a part of your life or no? So one of my rebuttals on that or... I don't know if it's a rebuttal, but thing that I think about a lot though is some people don't know that it's not something they should do until 
they're an addict. It's too late. Like just that first taste, just that first experience with it, and they're an addict. And so then there's that situation of if you had just never done it. Right. And that I can't speak to. That's not something I've experienced. I'm not an alcoholic, so I I don't know. And just the other idea of that is all I'm... Yeah. Yeah. So there's something to be said for that. I mean, if you want to absolutely avoid any possibility of being addicted to alcohol, never having a drink is the way to do that. So I've never drunk... I've never done any drugs and partially because I'm very like by the book and also partially because I am scared to see what I would do if I was drunk. There there are also people who don't need alcohol because like I said, the yeah. purpose it serves, there are people who do not have a problem with that, that yeah. do not need, that don't experience barriers that prevent them from connecting with people in social settings. They already have no inhibitions, so. Which I think is... <laughs> You know, I have a lot of friends that I will drink with and they don't drink and we get to the same level. And it's funny to me that, not funny, it's just... Interesting. Interesting that they can enjoy a social situation sober that I will enjoy so much more if I've had a drink or two in me because it loosens me up a little bit and lowers those walls somewhat. Yeah. And I've never felt that drive. And I think that just comes down to... How tightly are you wound? <laughs> yeah, in your sober state. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Th- All right. There will be differences of opinion between the three of us on this, and oh, of course, on, yeah. and, and, and plenty of things in the podcast. Yeah. I don't remember what episode it was, but we didn't air it. Which episode was it? I was presenting my viewpoint on something, and Matt, you then presented yours, and it just like so threw me off that like, mm-hmm. well, that's not the point I was trying to make. <laughs> yeah. And. Ultimately, like going home from that, I was just like, well, duh, we don't have to think the exact same things on all these topics. And we don't have to, the three of us, be presenting one united front on this is how the three of us and husband and law think about this topic. But this is is why it works is because we can leave here with without like this anger of I was right. Right. I was right. I was the one that was right. Steve doesn't know what he's talking about. (laughs) <laughs> no, we're not going to leave here it's, with that thought. Yeah. It's letting go of your ego. You've got to let down some of your ego to be able to accept that somebody else believes differently and that doesn't exactly like I was saying make you a bad or good person. It's what you do with those things, with what you're given. And this podcast wouldn't work. If we all agreed. If the three of us, no, if the three of us, well, if we all agreed, but if we all felt the need to agree. Yes, yes. Like, this would have ended a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. There would have been tension. Some One of us would have been ticked at the other about. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we wouldn't have made it through one no. episode, man. So, and <laughs> obviously that's how it are in our relationship. Yeah. So if, yeah. you know, we can make this work in a podcast because we all are open-minded to what each other thinks and we can make it work in real life. Yeah. Yep. Because we're open-minded, open-minded about what each other thinks. You've said a couple funny things, and I'm very proud of myself for not pointing them out because you guys <laughs> make fun of every single word that I say wrong. What have I said? I can't remember now. You just said one a second ago, and there was one a little bit ago that I wanted. Well, to. good thing this is recorded, so you can listen to it later. I can make fun of you later for it. All right. Just for the record, there was something you said funny on the last episode that I didn't make fun of you for. Oh, wait. I wasn't there when you recorded it. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. I say all sorts of things funny. Good there were a couple Steve. things on that one of my solo episode that were definitely funny. All right. Okay. Let's get back 
So think, think about what we are trying to say, not how we are saying it, please. <laughs> <laughs> That's to our listeners. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I think we went off on a little tangent there. What, do you want to finish some final words, final thoughts? I was this? just, no, I was just going to say, so next week we'll get back to Christmas. And another thing, we get asked a question a lot that I want to bring up in the next episode. And I think it's a really good talking point for understanding how to look at a situation from a different point of view. What's the question? I'm not going to say. I'm saving what? it for next week. Yeah. I can do that. I can do that. So next week we'll talk about Christmas and something that goes along with this question that we get asked a lot. Okay. Hafting to do kind of with hafting. Christmas. <laughs> That's what it was. Hafting. I say hafting a lot. Well, and it is not a word. Which I, think I it's thought it was interesting. From, like, when we recorded last time, she was reading a review, and the review said have to. Have to. And she said have to. It's like, there's no F-T. Have to. I have to do that. I, I'm having to do that. It's kind of like, milk. Penny, put your shoe on. I can't find my shoe on. <laughs> Penny called shoes shoe-ons shoe for years. For the time. Not for yeah. eight years, but for a year. <laughs> All right. What were you going to say? <laughs> you were having to do something. Yeah. I have you no idea. You were having idea. to say something and we cut you off. <laughs> this story of my life right now. <laughs> the boys cut me off. All right. Sorry, I have to do well, that. Well, when we're done recording this, you need to send it to me so I can go back and listen and hear what I said funny. All right. Will do. All right. In any relationship, guys, there are going to be topics that the two of you don't see eye to eye on and don't need to see eye to eye on. It doesn't have to be a source of tension or a sore spot in your relationship. How you feel has value and is worth expressing and standing behind just as how the other person feels about that topic is worth listening to and is worth trying to gain understanding of. Take the time to explain where you're coming from and why you feel the way you do. Take the time to listen to why they feel the way they do and try and understand that. A little bit of mutual understanding can do wonders for any relationship in life. 